Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to episode 265 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight, at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host tonight. He is Jordan Watkins at Big 75, fella. We didn't get our, our customary trench talk because there was no game, Jordan. So, Jordan, uh, pinch hitting for us on, on live tonight with, with Adnan distracted by the Hawks and pretty much everybody else uh, <laughs> traveling. Jordan just happened to arrive in time for the show, and I appreciate him for stepping in. Jordan, uh, how are we doing on uh, Thanksgiving you- Eve? Y'all have talked about the Falcons 265 times. At least. Yeah. Good. On Wednesday. That's insane. (laughs) Just on Wednesday. uh, No, No, things are good. I'm actually back in town, um, back in Atlanta for Thanksgiving, get to be with my parents, which is awesome. Uh, I think I'll actually be at the game on uh, Sunday, too, which is going to be pretty cool. I haven't seen a regular season game in the Benz yet. I've only seen uh, the first preseason game. I was there. I think that was against the Cardinals, um, which was pretty cool because that's two teams that I had tryouts and workouts for. So that was that was cool to see. But um, yeah, you know, settling in back in the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to get got to get used to the the Beast Coast time over here. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been waiting for an opportunity to use that. You know, but um, yeah, no, we we got uh, we got some some good football this thanksgiving uh some big spreads oh, yeah. but but also i think i think that 49ers seahawks game will be sneaky good uh we'll we'll see but i i think we got some good football coming up that we can all enjoy uh because i like i've enjoyed the years where we've played like the saints on thanksgiving but it just makes my thanksgiving like much more stressful like i don't, I don't know about exactly. you but i i have trouble like eating during the falcons game because i'm just too wound up so it's like everyone's feasting and then i just have to kind of sit there and watching the falcons so it's a little bit awkward for me so i i don't necessarily dislike it when they're not playing on thanksgiving one of those things where they change your schedule right like yeah. you say you want to enjoy your food you want to make sure you can sit down and be good so now if the, if the Falcons are playing on Thursday, that means um, that you have to have dinner earlier because you don't want to have dinner after the game. And then you maybe you're potentially upset and now you don't want to eat. So no, it moves things around. So now it's just I can watch a lot of teams that, like you said, going to be some good matchups, but I don't necessarily care too much if they want to lose. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not uh, it, it's a stress free Thanksgiving football experience, which I which I appreciate, even though it's I, I'd like the Falcons to play on Thanksgiving when they're good. You know, I think yeah. that's that's the best that's the best part of that. But uh, you know, this year I think it's good that they're not. You know, I think the schedule makers have proven themselves correct to not put the Falcons in prime time. Uh, but you know, I would say they, so. they've they've blessed us with the Bears and Jets a million times, so they, it's not like they're perfect. But uh, yeah, we will. You know, we, the, you know, we don't expect perfection from the schedule makers, so they're they're doing <laughs> their best out there, I'm sure. But yeah, guys, we got a uh, big game obviously coming up with. The Saints uh, hate week in full effect this week. Both teams coming off a bye. Saints kind of reeling from some injuries, so maybe an opportunity here for the Falcons to get a big dub against their most hated rival. We will see how that plays out, obviously, as we get into this one uh, and really talk about the implications of this game because this is probably the most important game of the season in terms of playoffs, in terms of the future of the team, potentially, uh, because this this sets the stage for the entire remaining seven games. Because you know that whether you win or lose, it, it, it's huge for for a potential playoff picture and all that stuff. So we will we will dive into that, dive into this matchup a little bit. Uh, yeah, but before we do, of course, want to bring you 
a word from our wonderful sponsors, BetOnline.ag, folks. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. And BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with those up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and it's not just the big four. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips on both desktop and mobile at any time for almost any sport that's played. That includes MMA, international soccer. I believe they've got some esports on there. They've got pretty much everything you can think of, folks, so make sure to check them out. And you can do that at BetOnline.ag. So head over there today. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're going to do a full prize picks thing on the, the game preview, but I did want to tuck this in this show because you won't see the great, unless you're a channel member, you know, shout out to the, the new channel members that just launched. You won't see that show until after the Thanksgiving Day games. But if you're interested in doing prize picks, they do have like a special Thanksgiving prize pick where uh, I think it's like Christian McCaffrey more like, you know, more or less than like a half yard like receiving or something like that. So it's basically a free square um, for your prize picks. So definitely check that out and add that to your prize picks this week. I know I'm going to do that. Uh, and to make sure if you're doing that to sign up with our promo code for, for a deposit match up to $100. And that promo code, of course, is DBB for Dirty Birds and Brews. DBB, guys. Uh, but we'll have the full picks coming for you on Friday's episode as well. But wanted to make sure to tuck that in this show so you actually get a chance to make that pick before. You have to make it before the Thursday game, obviously. So I uh, just wanted to get that in there for you guys. But yeah, we do have a, a donation off the top from Noah C., uh, also our moderator. Thank you, Noah. Uh, Thanks, Noah. <laughs> with the $20. Thank you, Noah, so much. Appreciate that, man. He's Oh, yeah, he's like, okay, sorry, autocorrect botched that for me. But, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think, I think I'm deciphering it now. Uh, he says, thankful for all my dirty birds this year. Love you guys and everyone here in the community. No one else I'd rather be depressed with on my Sundays. Love you all. Yeah, thank you so much, Noah. I appreciate you patrolling the one. chat, helping us out as well with that. Uh, thank you so much, man. And I think we're gonna be, I think we're gonna try to be getting a in the off season. I think we might be trying to get Noah and some other fans uh, on the show uh, to to help yeah. fill some dead zone content. So that could be fun. Be cool. uh, I know Noah's expressed interest, so yeah, I'd like to do that, Noah, for sure. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk a bit about this game against. Another very dysfunctional team in the Saints who are all, are reeling from a lot of injuries. We just saw Michael Thomas put on IR. Uh, it seems like Marshawn Lattimore might be headed to IR. Both starting yeah. tackles in James Hurst and Ryan Ramchick did not practice today. Derek Carr did return to practice, so I think that was the good news. But, um, you know, it, that team is, is not drastically better than the Falcons uh, and... As we've said, this this game, despite the Falcons being four and six, will determine first place in the NFC South, uh, depending on the winner. So, kind of a wild situation. But Jordan, what what do you think about the Saints this year? I mean, to me, they're they're about exactly what I expected. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. They're a good defensive team, right? The defense is is what leads them. It's what you'd expect to by a Dennis Allen coach team, but also maybe to an extent a a Derek Carr led team as well, for the most part. Uh, but the thing for me is, you know, you talk about the injuries and I, I get it. You know, we, we've lost Grady Jarrett for the year and we've had some other people banged up here and there for the most part. The Falcons have been so fortunate in the terms of their matchups, right, of, of the injuries. And I know usually it's something I like to break down and talk about, but now it's almost like, well, you haven't taken advantage of them before. So now why, why is that a 
thing I want to bring up now, right? I mean, we talked about some of the backup quarterbacks. Think about, uh, you know, Darisaw from Minnesota wasn't playing when you go against them. Uh, you know, there was obviously no Justin Jefferson. Like, you know, the list goes on and on about some of the fortunate breaks, if you will. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons have had in terms of, you know, teams that they played against and their injury luck. So now it's just one of those things of, you know, at, this, at a certain standpoint, like you said, it's the biggest game of the year. And it's another one of those tempo, like you said, whether it's for the playoffs, but I think also just what's the tempo that you're going to have, right? Not even just for this year. I think you're already starting it for next year, too, from the standpoint of you have the Saints in your in your house, right? I still go back to the to week one last year where I thought that was one of those tempo setting games. Again, we knew the Saints were good on defense. We didn't really know what we were going to have with Marcus on offense. And, of course, Cordero being one of the, 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 the key uh, sources of our rushing attack. Again, for about three, three and a half quarters, the Falcons physically dominated the Saints, right? And so that's one of those games. Like, okay, this Falcons team, this might be a little different and better than what I expected going into the season. But, of course, they found a way to lose the game. You know, Marcus had a late fumble. Jameis takes him down the field. The rest is history. So here you are again to have another tempo-setting game, but now this one is later in the year. And if you've seen, you look throughout the year, the thing the Falcons maybe in their big tempo-setting games, I would say are – one in three yeah or so this year right um, the bucks so, maybe is the one that you could say they well, actually... so okay i'd say then maybe two and three because that was one i mean starting off with a win against carolina yeah just because that, that is good. a division game you start off you know start off the season so um but yeah so now it's you haven't won one of those tempo setting games in a while so it's time to get back on the track with those yeah exactly and that i think that's been the biggest issue with arthur smith in terms of his one of the bigger issues in terms of his teams, it's kind of, you can't really put like a, you can't really put your finger on it or quantify it in a stat. But like, I, I would say one of the biggest weaknesses of this team is like in, in these sort of situations where it's like, okay, this is a key game. We can't have a bad game. We need to win this game. They, they've come up short pretty much every time. Um, now this year, I would say that the Bucks game is a good example of them not doing that. But I think in years past, mm -hmm. it's like they had so many opportunities to get above 500 or to take that step to to like cement themselves as the favorite in the division. And if they just won this game, they'd be in great shape. And they would just basically lose every single time. And it was really frustrating. Now, luckily this year, they finally got over that above 500 hump. Unfortunately, now back two games under 500. But um it's it's been an issue for him that the, his teams have just not responded well to the big moments. They haven't won the games that they absolutely needed to win, um, and it, it's led to this team sort of falling off and and becoming irrelevant late in the season, pretty much every year. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to hold it against him too much, especially for, for 2021, 2022. You know, it, again that that team had significant flaws that were kind of beyond the coach's control to some extent. This year's a different story, and I think this is. This is a game where he really needs to to put his mark on this team and show that he's not losing, you know, not not losing touch. That the team's still bought in because if if you can't get up to to play your biggest rival in your home stadium and and have a resounding win, or you know, it's one thing if it's a, a hard fought back and forth game and the Falcons look really good and they just get slightly outplayed, you know, you can forgive that. But if they come out flat again uh, and just you know don't don't put up much of a fight or it, you know it. it that's unacceptable uh, in this situation. They, they, and they honestly have to find a way to win or it's basically going to be all downhill from here. Yeah. And I mean, the thing for that is too, there, there's two ways you can look at it. The better, the better teams, I'm not saying that they're the good teams, but some of the better middle of those pack teams, they find a ways to win these one, those one possession type games. Right. Uh, obviously going into this, you have one of, if not the best kickers in the league, 
right, with Young Boy Coop. So automatically, I'd say advantage us if it gets close late, just off of that alone. But, you know, the way the reason why I say that is, again, the perfect example of what I'm saying is think about the team that won the NFC North last year, right? The uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Now, you could look at all the metrics and everything you want. I thought last year the Vikings were an okay team. The reason why they won their, their division is because they won all those one possession games, right? So at least to hide, hide you know, what their their um, you know, lacks were during the regular season, at least for a little bit, they won those close games. Now, of course, then New York goes in and knocks them out in the first round, but that's what you need to see the Falcons start doing. Like I wouldn't say all of a sudden just because the Falcons were to win some more of these one possession games that now I think that they're a much better team than they are. No, you know, it's still talent level is what it is, play calling coach, you know, all of that still is what it is. But one, you do feel a little bit better in that in that uh locker room again. Ugly win, a whole lot better than an ugly loss. And and then of course, like you you'd have some more things fully in your control. Like they still can be now, right? Because you still got to go against the Saints twice, Tampa again. Carolina down the stretch. And right now you're still two and no in the division. So still have a lot of things in your control, but if you can really turn these one possession games out at a higher rate, you just feel better and more confident about yourself in, in those tough situations. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, to me, it's like, you just have to find ways to win these games, these, these crucial games. And, and it can be ugly even, but you got to find ways to get it done. And, and they've just struggled to do that so far, but you know, the Falcons do seem to be getting healthier uh, so that like you mentioned it, you know, the Saints still reeling from some injuries. The Falcons seems like they're going to get David on Yamada back. Seems like they're likely to get pretty much everyone that was out back other than the guys that are on IR. You know, the, the critical yeah. one, Parker Hesse, seemingly yeah. returning this week. Uh, I know Arthur Smith said he was probably going to be active. Um, and that that is not a joke. Like, I think, honestly, they've really lacked a blocking tight end since... Parker Hesse got hurt. So um, that that could end up being more impactful than I know it's kind of a meme with what Aaron's been saying on Twitter about Parker Hesse being the linchpin of the entire offense. But there's some truth to it. Like his blocking has been key for this team in the past. So, um, you know, I I like I like what I see there. Obviously, they really desperately needed David Onyemata back uh, just because the defensive line without him was pretty Pretty terrifyingly bad. Um, not against the run, actually. They, they were doing pretty well against the run still. But um, in terms of the pass rush, they, they desperately needed Anyamata. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, you mentioned the Falcons getting really lucky with the injuries. It, it's And it's, they've actually gone up against a lot of teams missing their starting tackles. Yeah, uh, and, exactly. And, and they just haven't really taken advantage ever. Uh, and it's, and it, you know, and it's because of the pass rush, right? Like the, the Cardinals were down so many starting offensive linemen in that game. Falcons really didn't take huge advantage of that. And again, against the Saints, like it, it's starting to get to the point where it's like, are they even going to really punish Trevor Penning, you know, who was one of the worst pass protectors in the NFL? Uh, if he has to come in for Ryan Ramchek, you know, are they really going to be able to take advantage of that. And I, I certainly hope that we'll get there at some point. Um, you know, it, hopefully it'll help having guys like D'Alford back in there in the secondary and, you know, like David Adimata, obviously in the middle, just providing that constant pressure. But this is a team that really has struggled to take advantage of the offensive line issues of, of other teams, interior guys, notwithstanding. But um, yeah, I mean, it, I hope they can get it done this week. Basically. I hope they can finally figure out a way to unlock the edge pressure uh, and, and, you know, hopefully on Yamada being back 
is good to that, but you know, we'll, we'll have to see, uh, but it, it's been dicey thus far in terms of actually benefiting from some of those oh. opponents injury, injuries. Exactly. Also. Wow. So uh, shout out Brandon Bass brass. Sorry for pointing this out in the chat. I, yeah. I guess I've been traveling all day, so yeah, I actually yeah. missed that, that he, he didn't mm-hmm. practice today. Um, yes. Wow. So, yeah, I well, mean, I guess there would be no better time if, if he doesn't <laughs> play. Right. We'll see. There'd be no yeah. better time than, the you know, if you get the ball at the one, the 14 or the 21 that uh, you get touchdowns instead of field goals this week. It's no choice this time. Right. You can't can't rely on coup. No, I wouldn't worry too much, guys, about coups availability based on Wednesday. You know, if he hasn't if he doesn't practice tomorrow, you can start getting a little bit more worried. And of course, mm-hmm. if he doesn't practice on Friday, then he'll probably be declared out. But They'll probably add another kicker if there's any if there's any question. You know they'll probably add someone to the practice squad. So keep an eye out for that move too. But they also did something like this with Bradley Pinion a couple weeks ago, and he yeah. ended up and Pinion ended up playing still. So it's like it, I wouldn't worry too much until he's officially questionable or something like that. But definitely something to monitor because obviously Kuz is the mo- the MVP of the entire offense. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, but speaking of the offense, we should probably talk about Desmond Ritter here in a second. Um, yeah. And I, I will get to that. I do want to shout out real quick, guys, uh, before I forget that we did launch the channel memberships uh, like I teased uh, last week. Uh, so if you're interested in getting some exclusive perks here on the YouTube channel, if you want to have more video centric stuff as opposed to the Patreon, uh, we launched basically like very similar to the Patreon. It's the three same tiers. Um same pricing structure, all that, but you get more like YouTube stuff. So you'll get like YouTube emojis and you'll get like YouTube stuff and you'll get early access to all the videos and all that. Uh, you'll still get all the same things that the Patreon does in terms of like the Q and a sessions and the access to the fantasy leagues and all that, but just offering something for the people that mostly watch on YouTube, because obviously the Patreon more for the podcast listeners, you know, in terms of what you get. So, uh, don't feel like you need to get both just whichever one you, you watch more. I mean, if you want to get both, cool but you know it, i would if you're if you're more of a video watcher i would consider the youtube channel one if you're more of a a paid like a, a podcast listener then i would check out the patreon of course but um no matter what you do we will appreciate it even if you're just hanging in here with us every week uh we appreciate that too we appreciate the likes the subscribes five star reviews all that stuff uh we appreciate all you guys for your supports thank you so much for that but yeah desmond ritter back as the starter jordan uh, you know i feel like i feel like he never left <laughs> yeah you know um this i think this was the right decision you know me i I always felt like he should have never been benched in the first place if they say he cleared protocol when he did and all these things but this could ultimately be a good thing that he did have that little he had you know the game here or there where he was benched and i say that because you you go into this year and i'm saying more so on the field because i know this is where people are going to bring up you know arthur smith and play calling I get that. So just on the field, if, you know, someone had the biggest question of a starter, you know, offense, defense, special teams, it was going to be a quarterback. So, oh, you have all these weapons around. The offensive line is back. Now what do the Falcons get out of the quarterback play, which will determine, you know, how they how they fare. And for someone who, again, you know, third round pick, very unproven, that's a lot of pressure to deal with. Right. And then, of course, you know, Taylor comes in. Taylor does what he does against Tennessee, you know, has a start here and there. Then he gets hurt. And so now it's just like, hey, that pressure's off. Right. Like they already made a move to go to somebody else. Like, so maybe that can just give him a little fresh start. He plays a little bit more loose and relaxed. Uh, Cause you saw it. Even when he came into the game against Arizona, you know, the ball was, ball was humming a little bit. 
Yeah. And you even finally saw some plays where they could stretch the field, you know, throwing it to Drake London. You know, he tried one. Uh, don't know what he saw there, but he, I think there was one to Van Jefferson double cover down the field that was incomplete. But, I mean, again, it's just we've seen so much from this Falcons offense, even when Desmond Ritter has been a quarterback of a lot of stuff is very short. Guys are going to sit on that. You know, I know there's no Marshawn Lattimore, who we all know is one of the more physical corners in the game. Um, and I'll, I'll leave physical for interpretation. But uh, Paulson Adebo, shout out Stanford, is yeah. also a really good corner on the other side, too. So it's not like that they still don't have guys on the on the back end. And I think, you know, you ask any DB what they love the most is when they don't have to worry about vertical threats. So if you have a guy back in now with Ritter who we see, at least it looked like in, in the time we did see Taylor Heineke, uh, has a better ability to, to at least attempt to stretch the field than, than maybe Taylor Heineke does, that I think that's just going to help this this offense. And, I mean, I, I'm interested to see off a of bye week what um, you know Arthur Smith will have in the past game, if there's anything different, a couple wrinkles here or there that lets, allows uh, Des to try to attack vertically. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think now that we we saw the way that both of these quarterbacks looked in this offense, you know, I think the, what we could say is that typically Heineke was was avoiding the pressure and and navigating it more effectively. He was not phased yeah. by by the pressure as much, and he was able to escape and make some more plays under pressure. Whereas you know we've seen Ritter sort of collapse under the pressure a little bit. Um, but I, I think we could t- you could tell you know Ritter the reason why <laughs> Ritter was drafted and, and Heineke was not is that you know, Ritter just has a lot better arm. Like he just does like Ritter's arm is a lot better. You could, you could tell like Ritter's got much better velocity. And honestly, Ritter's accuracy has been better than Heineke's too. I mean, particularly we, we just saw Heineke's accuracy look really bad in that game yeah. against the, the Vikings. And you know, it, it was a big problem. Um, and, and now we're back to Ritter and look, we saw Ritter. Hey, he, he put the football in, in the outside arm and, and didn't let up on the way to the end zone. So that was the one, that was one big thing I wanted to see. So we saw that already. So, um, well, here's yeah, the thing I, too. Yeah, I yeah. think one thing he also, uh, I think he also could have learned from Taylor Heineke is, Hey, that for, and I, I'm saying this more so as a young and experienced quarterback, you know, obviously the older you get, I get it. Yeah. Some other young quarterbacks that can do this, you know, it's Brock Purdy, CJ Shroud, guys like that, but you're a young experienced quarterback, you know, and obviously Taylor Heineke has been in the league for seven years, but how many times do we see Taylor not be afraid? Okay. That's not there. That's not there. Go and just take what you can get on the ground. Um, and that's something I think that, you know, does being on the sideline for a bit could kind of pick up on that too. So I think that's something too. I'd like to see from him a little bit more. If like read one or two is in there, go ahead. Yeah. And you know, maybe, maybe the saints uh, will contain the way that RD line likes to contain at times. And so there will be some lanes there. You know, obviously we, we got to, deal with cam jordan he's been doing this what seems like 50 years uh but still playing at a fair at a fairly high level um but again if he's the only one that's really winning up front they don't have a a perfect that perfect picture again i told you about like a four-person rush um there might be some windows there where you can just take off instead of worrying about the sack and you know climbing up the pocket and trying to still make something happen in the air just just get what you can and slide yeah don't dive yes. slide <laughs> yes <laughs> If you're if you learn one thing from Taylor Heineke, it's that don't dive. Like please, please, please. do slide. Um, yeah, it like and that was always the thing with Ritter was like, wow, this guy is very very talented as a runner, but you could just tell it like it's not his game. Like it was not something he wanted to do. Like he wanted to sit back and throw the football, which is not a bad thing, but it's just like 
you could tell he was uncomfortable knowing when to tuck and run. And especially at the NFL level, it was just not, you know, he wasn't seeing it quickly enough. I think that is something that's gotten better for him over the course of this season. And I think, you know, if he can unlock that part of his game more consistently, that will, that will definitely help him in a lot of situations where, you know, look, maybe you could, instead of throwing, throwing the ball away, maybe you tuck and run, pick up, you know, three or four yards on that scramble and keep the offense on schedule. Uh, don't take sacks, you know, just get out, get out of bounds, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So I hope we get to see more of that. And it's really an extent, you know, this is an extended audition. Like the, I, I have a hard time seeing them going back to Heineke at this point. I think it's because, because honestly, if they lose this game, it, it doesn't matter either way. Like you're not making the playoffs. So, um, you know, and, and that was another thing I wanted to bring up, which was, you know, the implications of this game, if the Falcons win, they will be first place in the NFC South this week. Uh, and they will have about a 40% chance of making the playoffs, which is pretty respectable. That's, that's definitely a realistic Same, shot. There's a chance. Yep. That that's, that's a realistic shot. That's better than a one in three chance. Um, if they lose, it goes down to 10%. Um, so it's basically like a prayer. So, um, they, they can't lose, uh, basically if you, yeah. if you have any illusions about them making the playoffs and, um, you know, realistically they, they won't have any chance, but the, the good news is if they win, they'll basically control their destiny and uh, that, you know, maybe that's good or bad because <laughs> they haven't done great uh, when they've had control of their destiny so far. But you know, they're 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 very much alive if they beat the Saints. Um, and I I guess I would argue that like mentality wise, the win over the Saints is just as important as it is in terms of the standings because this is your most hated rival. This is this is the team that you know is as been a problem for Arthur Smith basically his entire tenure here. So to get this big win, I I think that is the type of the type of game that can boost a team's confidence can get them in the right mindset to, to potentially make, make a push, especially given that the schedule is favorable for such a push to happen. Yeah. I mean, to your point, division wins as you know, the cliche, they count double. I would say you can almost say they count triple when they're must got to have it late in game um, tight ones against your biggest rival. I mean, think about some of the, the other in the uh, in-division matchups that we've seen in the NFC uh, throughout the last few years, right? Obviously, one of the biggest ones to go to Super Bowl, you saw Rams versus Niners. Now, everyone knows 49ers have had the Rams number for years. That's that one win that they have against them, and that's the one that still takes Niners fans off. Um, and obviously, we saw, uh, what was the other one? Was it Niners Seahawks that, like, won the NFC Championship? There was another one a few years later that got the Niners to win the division, and they were the two-seed. Um, obviously we've seen a lot of, you know, Steelers and Bengals in the AFC or Steelers, Ravens, like it just, it adds to it. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you have a game again, we haven't seen like to your point, we haven't seen the Falcons in a lot of meaningful games later in the year, the last few seasons, but now you have one. I know we saw that got to have a game against Carolina last year. Well, there were two, they won one, lost the other. And it felt different because you beat Carolina. Now this one's even bigger because it's the saints, right? So Getting this win and, like you said, putting yourself in a spot where you control your own destiny. Um, and, again, just you you, you want to start coming out the bye week. Just just start running, right? Like, here comes that sprint now for the playoffs if you're going to make it. And, like I said, no better way to make a statement than starting off beating this team for Louisiana. Yeah, and it just – the fans need it too, like, just as much as the team. Like, the – you know, we're, we're beat down. Like we're, we're, we're going into another week, you know, coming off a loss. Like, I guess the buy helps take the sting off a little bit, but three straight losses, like you got to get this win. There's just no way around it. Not only the fans will, will be out if you lose this, of course, and 
they'll they'll be even more upset because it's against the Saints. Uh, but you, the team needs it. You know, they need it bad in terms of the standings, in terms of the mentality. Um, and I imagine, you know, you, you came up against games like this in your college tenure too, where it's like, there's just that one team that you got to beat. And if you don't, that th- it just, it just frustrates you. It, you know, it, and when you're already down, like this team is, I think it's even more important to get a big win. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, obviously there were a couple, for example, you, you want to beat USC just because they're USC. Yeah. Um, Cal, they're the, they're the Bay Area rival. But the one that really meant something for going forward almost every single season was Oregon. Because, you know, back then that's still when it was Pac-12 North, Pac-12 South. And usually whoever won the game between the two of us would control their destiny to go to the Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, there were a couple of teams and a couple of games where, you know, we and they were very close, right? Like my freshman year, we actually went up against Marcus Mariota later in the season. We win that game go be uh, UCLA later on in the uh, Pac-12 championship. And then my fourth year, this was, you know, the Christian McCaffrey should have been Heisman year. Uh, they beat us late in the, late in the season. And, you know, we were, that was our second loss. We lost the first game of the year at Northwestern weird game, but you know, we were going to be a one loss team. We ended up being Notre Dame on a last second field goal and destroyed USC that year. And I think we finished, I think maybe, sixth or fifth going into the CFP final rankings. So yeah, we would have beat that beat Oregon right there. We're going maybe to the playoff, you know? So yeah, it it just, it's a little different whenever you play your rivals in big games like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see how the team responds. I think how they respond is, is just as important as, as the outcome. You know, I I just want to see this team look, look less sloppy, look, look more interested. And I'm not implying that people aren't trying or anything like that. That's definitely not the case, but there's, you could tell there was just, there was, there's a dark cloud sort of hanging over this team the last several weeks. You could, they just, they just weren't, they, they, they weren't the team that we saw early in the season that looked like they were kind of on fire a little bit. Like they were, they were playing hard and it wasn't perfect certainly, but they were, they were trying as hard as they could. And, and it was looking good and, and you know, you can get off track. And I, I think maybe the bye week's a great opportunity to reset uh, and now you just got to convert it into on-field production. You got to get that big dub because uh, we can talk Absolutely. about how good it looks all we want, and if it's not a dub, it doesn't matter. So, <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, it's like you said, it's the little things, right? I want to see the defense start flying around again. You know, the last couple of weeks, we saw those missed tackles piling up a whole lot more than we did, you know, those first few weeks of the season. So I want to see, again, those all, all those pictures where we, we could see five, six black hats to the football. I want to start seeing that again. Um, of course, I don't want to see some of these pre-snap penalties at home. Now, I would like to say usually, again, there's no reason to have them at home. Now, as we know, because it's the Saints, they're going to be even more visiting fans than usual in the Benz. That's just that's that's that comes with the territory of of, of this rivalry. So, but again, still coming off a of bye week, that those can't happen, right? Those false starts to start a possession, you have the ball at the one yard line, can't happen. Uh, we it's already tough enough. And we've shown that we'll make it even tougher on ourselves to score in this league. So don't don't make it even that much tougher. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just yeah, don't beat yourself. I mean, that's really the 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 key takeaway, the key message for this team is that, you know, we we have we gotta stop beating ourselves because it, it it's been that's been the biggest issue for this team is it just you yep. know, it just overall sloppiness. I mean, we've seen some drops that cost them games. We've seen, you know, Turnovers obviously cost them games. We've seen the missed sacks, missed tackles that could have ended games. Uh, 
it's been a it's been a team effort <laughs> the last the, the last three games in terms of of how we've lost these games and it needs to be a team effort to, to how they win you know we need to see everybody fire on all cylinders clean up the mistakes come out and play your best ball against your biggest division rival and in a game absolutely where you could you could catapult this to legitimate chance at the playoffs i think i think we still have to have a lot more go right to actually legitimately end up in the playoffs when the dust clears but it's the first step uh and and you got to take the first step before you can take the second step and so on so um you know i i don't think any you know i don't think we'll be we'll be out here sell i mean we'll be celebrating being the saints because we're always going to do that but i don't think anyone's going to be like okay well we're in we we got it like no no like it's just this is just the first part of, of the equation the first part you got to solve and then you move on to the next step um and you know i'm i'm hopeful i mean i i think i think they they probably can do it uh Obvious. I mean, they can. Of course, they can. I mean, I think this team can can beat a lot of teams in the NFL if they actually play a complete game. But I don't even know what that looks like for this team at this because we we've never seen it. <laughs> we've never seen it. It's, this it's year, been so. it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen it. And so that's like I said to your point because when you look at you look at this overall schedule and how it sets up, and there is no game that's remaining for the Falcons. I don't see as unwinnable. I, I I really do not see one. And so that being said, of course, before you get on that stretch, I'm not saying you look ahead to anybody, of course, especially not this week, but it's one of those things. All you need is that one game to start momentum. And then after you do that, your mentality switches up, you know, from week to week. Like I know I've been on teams and you could feel the tension. If there are certain games or maybe a game here or there that you lost and it's like, man, we shouldn't have. Now we got to feel like we got to do everything perfectly this week and of course as everyone knows you try to play perfectly that's when you mess up more so they need to get this one here just to be a little loose again and um then yeah like you said you never know what could happen yeah exactly so i I think this will go a long way across the board and even if they and we we talked about it i think uh, on one of the last post games is like look if you just beat the saints twice you're you're earning a lot more you know, space to work because Falcons fans care about beating the Saints more than any other team. So, you know, if you're, if you're not going to make the playoffs, the next best thing is to sweep the Saints. So if they do that, you know, then then some some fans might come around a little bit more. If Arthur Smith can at least show that he can whoop the Saints every year, uh, we'll, we'll be back on the right track. But um, yeah, I know we had a comment from Ray Moon. What's up, Ray, with the $5 saying, like to What's see... Up, Ray? like to see Arthur Smith incorporate more RPOs and more misdirection into the offense. It's when it's looked the best. Yeah. I, that's a great point, Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a big question mark, like why he hasn't because Ritter was great at RPOs in college. It was like Cincinnati's bread and butter basically. Um, and it's been kind of puzzling to me why you wouldn't do it. Um, considering this whole offense seems to be kind of predicated on that style anyway, but they just don't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Ray, for sure. I, I would love to see more RPOs in this offense. Well, again, it's like what we talked about weeks ago. Um, JT O'Sullivan, again, this QB school. I, I forget which game it was, but it was earlier in the year. And he just asked the question, said, where are the easy answers in this Atlanta offense? Yeah. And an RPO, that's a good way to help get some easy answers for a young and experienced quarterback. One of the best ways I can put it, and obviously, you know, I'm not saying that they're the same talent level, but part of what you saw when he started taking off is what Shane Steichen did in his offense in Philly, right? Like everyone talked about, this is why this defense is so hard, the way that they really hold that mesh and the schemes that they have up front, those linebackers have to draw in, boom, there's that easy throw, right? So 
again, not saying that if we do it, we're going to look just like the Eagles did when they were doing it last year. No, that's not the case. But again, it's just a question of what are some things that you can do to give easy answers for an inexperienced quarterback? Yeah. I think RPO is a good way to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's probably too much to ask for Kyle Pitts to get some snaps outside. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I'm never going to be able to see that uh, with Arthur Smith here, but yeah, I mean, if they can't do that, then maybe they can at least do some RPOs. But it does seem like, according to Smith's comments, we're probably going to see a lot more Bijan. Uh, what, what do you think about that, Jordan? Is that I know, so, I know, I've been waiting to see Bijan be unleashed a bit more. So that means that we're going to see him at punt returner, kick returner. <laughs> He's going to be the long snapper. Uh, like I said, Man I just of, thought it was hilarious. Many talents, many talents. He has. It, was, it was just hilarious. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're going to use Bijan more. First, first punt return you see. Oh, there's number seven. I see what yep. you mean now. Gotcha. <laughs> oh, you met carries? No, no, we're not going to do that. No, no to be yeah, fair, it's they did like give the him, guy's dynamic. Right. They did give him 22 carries. And what do you know? He had, you know, one of his best games. So it's crazy stuff there. But, um, yeah, it's just, I, I remember early in the season, us talking about it. It's like, oh, they're having him run like option rats and stuff. Maybe like, Maybe cut back on that a little bit. You know, maybe we'll just... But but never did we say stop throwing the football to Bijan. And then they basically right. just stopped throwing the ball. Like, no, don't do not do that. Like, I just... Man, it's like, oh, we need to scale back some of the stuff we're asking him to do. And then it's like, actually, we're just not even going to throw the ball to you anymore. It's just, I, I you know, I, I don't understand uh, this team a lot of the time. But that, that was puzzling to me, too. Because, I mean, he was one of their best receivers. I think he was like second or third on the team in, in receiving uh, at one point early in the year. So, yeah, like, yeah, you use Bijan. Yeah, use Kyle Pitts. Yeah, use Drake London. It's like I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know why it took till the bye week to figure this stuff out. Oh, we want to keep him fresh. Keep him fresh for what? So we can go to Hawaii in you know January. <laughs> like we got, we got to get there. We got to like we got to be winning games before we can worry about keeping guys fresh like <laughs> for losing games. It doesn't matter. So, you know, and, and I appreciate not wanting to put too much on a rookie's plate, but it's like, you know, what, what's we, we need, we're scoring 18 points a game, Arthur. We need, we need to, to use what we've got. <laughs> it almost, it almost feels like a Goldilocks in the three bears situation with Bijan in terms of you saw how much he was being used the first few weeks. And it's like, okay, no, this is too much. And then, you know, the middle part of the season is wait, this is too little, but now here we are. Maybe we're going to get to that part where, you know, everything is just right. And you find the right amount of usage for him and, and how to use him. So, you know, we will see. I mean, again, like you said, it was, it was promising to see him get 22 carries uh, yeah. against Arizona. And again, when he, when we seen him have a big workload, he's, it's paid off. I mean, he had a good game against Jacksonville um, again, productive game against Arizona. And so again, I just think that, the fact that you're going against another physical defense, just throw all the different looks at him, right? So, yeah, use him. Use Ty, like use all you, you have all three of these guys for a reason, right? In terms of, of Tyler, Bijan, and Cordero. Uh, and again, remember, I think it was actually might have been Caden Ellis. We saw Cordero set the te- the tempo early in um in that week one game last year by running somebody over into the end zone, right? And and but again, downhill. And so the thing is, all three of those guys can run that way, right? I know we love to see Bijan in space. They had the cool camera up in the catwalks that's been showing all of his moves and stuff. Bijan's a big dude. He can run through you too. Um, and obviously we know what T.A. and Cordero can do as well. So, again, I just – it's another one of those games. I just want them to set the physical tempo and set it early. That That's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, I just – you just want to see them – 
go up and, and, and out physical the Saints because that's been sort of the story of this rivalry when the Saints have been winning is that they've been dominating in the trenches. And then even yeah. last year when the Falcons really should have really did dominate, they, they still found a way to lose that game. So, you know, let, let's see it. Let's see the tables turn again. Let's see the Falcons dominate this one. And one of the ways they can do it, I think, is on the ground because the Saints, you know, last year was sort of a step back for them in the run defense category. They were still good, but they weren't number one anymore. And this year they've actually become bad like they're below average defending the run they're allowing over 4.3 yards per carry I think they're like 20th in rushing yardage allowed so they're not stopping the run as well anywhere near as well as they used to and a lot of that is that they've basically lost all their interior line depth and I wonder you know, where some of those guys went yeah I know I know one of them one of them signed hmm. somewhere in the NFC South has been playing like one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL but I was told hmm. that you know they didn't that he was uh he was washed they didn't need him. Um, oh, yeah. So interesting. It's fine. I'm. I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, Brian Brzee is working out super well for them. No. No offense to Brian Brzee. <laughs> He's a rookie. But yeah. Uh, you know that they their their run defense has not been up to snuff. So, are we actually going to see the Falcons? You know, is, is Parker Hesse the missing piece, Jordan? Are we actually going to see the run game finally come together and dominate a bad run defense for the first time all year? It's time. Yeah. All we needed was Parker Hesse. That was it. That's that was it. the missing piece. That was yeah. it. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, how many times and I get it? You know, everyone's going to say Kyle Pitts needs to be better. Yes, he does. But guess what? Right now, he isn't. That's that. That is what it is. So, and because remember, at the end of the day, too, you're only a select teams in the league where your main receiving tight end can also be a, a an above average to good blocking tight end. The reason why a lot of these teams have blocking tight ends because you don't get both, especially the way that uh, the league has gone to more to a passing league in the you know, last decade plus or so. Um, so, yeah, you need that guy out there to help that even more. And who knows, maybe because you do have Parker Hesse, you'll get what you want. See Cal Pitts more outside. And, again, I just think that the thing for me of Cal Pitts I want to see outside more of, too, is not even just his ability. We talk about making things easier for Desmond Ritter. Based off who you see matched up against Cal Pitts, you know it's man or zone. And so let let Desmond have a better idea of that, right? Like you can start him, even start him out wide, motion him in a little bit. You know, you can create all these mismatches and leverage um, challenges and struggles just based off, again, like not, not even having to run the route outside, at least line up outside. Make things a little bit easier for your quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like if Kyle Pitts isn't making an impact as an inline blocker, stop making him block. Like he's your best receiving tight end and probably should be your wide receiver too. So I just don't understand why it's like, well, we're just, we need you to get better as a blocker, Kyle Pitts. So we're going to keep playing you in line and keep <laughs> having plays blown up uh, and, and also keep not throwing to you because you have to work through all this traffic before you even have a chance to get open. Um, instead of like being like, actually, maybe we should put you outside where you probably actually have a, a great opportunity to win your block, where you could probably dominate corners for the most part, because uh, it's a very different assignment than a defensive end. Sure. Uh, and you get that. And, and you're going to get a lot more one-on-one -on -one opportunities because guess what? Drake London's on the other side. So they're not doubling both these guys. Um, but instead, they want Van Jefferson out there. Uh, they, they need him. You know, they need well, him. Well, I, I want to I wanna look this up too because uh, I want to see how many times – I know we, we always talk about inline. I want to see if there's a stat for how much he's lined up at the uh, sniffer position. And so for those who don't know what I'm talking about, you know, obviously you have the Y – they call it the Y, right? And then there's that tight end that's right off the ball. reason why I ask is because I see so many teams, and it's a copycat league, so many teams, all they will do 
is they'll run zone action one way and they bring that sniffer across for an easy look, right? I saw, obviously, you know, with Kevin O'Connell having Josh Dobbs there as, as, as um, little time as he's had, that's one of the easy throws he gets to TJ Hawkinson, right? You know, obviously, you know, Kyle Shanahan and his offense, they use it a lot. So that that's, a, that's another thing I want to see. Just, again, a chance to get a guy, even though I know he's not the, the MCL or the confidence in the MCL might not be all the way there like we want it to be. Still a pretty athletic guy with a chance to maybe get him in space. Um, and again, an easy throw for your quarterback. So I wonder, I wonder how how often he's uh he's been there. Yeah, I I can't see that on PFF. What I can say is that Kyle Pitts has been getting his snaps have been going up in line. Like he started out playing sort yeah. of mostly like sort of splitting time between the slot and out wide early. Um, and then it became mostly slot, and now it's mostly inline. Um, so it's just and and his snaps outside have basically been cut to single digits. So, you know, I I think it's going in the wrong direction. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, like slot, like okay, sure, but like if you're just gonna make him play big slot, I just I, I feel like you know you've got other guys that can do that. I, I feel like he's he's gonna have fewer one on one opportunities in the slot. He's gonna have lots of attention, obviously, in the slot. You know, I, I, I don't know what the, the reasoning is. I mean, I'm guessing they're like, oh, well, he can't beat corners outside. And I just, I don't think there's any proof that he can't beat corners outside. Uh, I feel like it's there's a proof a good, that he can. I know that much. Yeah. So it's just like, to me, it, I, I'm just going to keep harping on this because I it, it, to me, this is the biggest, the biggest question I have with Arthur Smith is like, you really got this guy with the intention of making him an inline tight end? Like, I, I can't believe that. Like, I just, I, I can't believe you would think that was going to work out super well. Unless you, unless you really thought, I know Arthur Smith used to be a tight ends coach, but like, did you really think you were going to coach him up into like a George Kittle level blocker when George Kittle has like 30 pounds on him? Like, <laughs> you know, I just, and then, and then if you, if you put 30 pounds on him, he's not Kyle Pitts anymore. So like, but it, also it, remember <laughs> that was, that was George Kittle's background that I, yeah. he wasn't the receiving guy. Cause they had Noah Fant there. George yeah. Kittle was the blocking tight end that turned out to be an amazing receiver as well in the league. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the rare and then Michael Pruitt, the opposite, the rare receiving specialist turned blocking tight end. Uh, so, you know, so, sometimes, uh, sometimes you get the other way around, not very often, but yeah, I, to me, that's, that's what, you know, that's the things we got to see. We, we got to see Kyle Pitts more utilized because look, we, Enough of Van Jefferson. I'm sorry. Like that, that's not working out. I think, I know you brought up the stat where it's like they've targeted Van Jefferson like 10 times on third down and he's got one catch. Um, and it's just like, goddamn, like we can't, we can't do, we can't do this anymore. Like this is not working. And I get like it's going to take time for him to acclimate, but like I just, I, I, I you feel don't have like, much time anymore. No, no, but it's like, I, I feel like. Van Jefferson's getting more third down looks than Kyle Pitts. And he's been here for like three weeks. And it's, and yeah. again, I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what the hell are we doing here? Short where we're, we're drawing up plays for, for Van Jefferson when Kyle Pitts has been here for three years and we, he can't get the same. They will attention. never see this coming. Yes. I'm so smart. I'm very intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> and John o. Smith drops back to pass. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He wasn't, <laughs> if, at, if at least if he was throwing to Kyle Pitts, then I wouldn't have been upset, but no, he was, he was throwing to the new unicorn, Michael Pruitt. So, um, you know, poor, poor guy, but yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, to me, it's like we, we've started to see the Bijan stuff where they're utilizing Bijan more and they kind of have to, um, 
now they just need to figure out how to use Kyle Pitts, which is a sentence a sentence I'd never thought I'd say because this is that's like crazy. This is one of the guys that's like you could probably just put him outside and make him play receiver and he'll he'll thrive. But instead they're like, No, 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 you need to block. Uh we're gonna make you block. And if you don't if you're not good at blocking, well too bad. Like you're gonna have to keep blocking until you you know, your snaps will increase. The more the the less blocking you the less good you are at blocking, the more inline snaps you're gonna get until you get better at blocking. And we don't care if it torpedoes the run game at the same time, but um, so th- they got to figure out a way to get Kyle Pitts involved. Uh, that, that is non-negotiable, but maybe they can, maybe, uh, you know, at least if we get Bijan more involved, I guess that's something, but, um, to Ritter's credit, I, I think Ritter before he got benched, Ritter was passing the ball pretty well. That first half against the Titans, notwithstanding that was just looking like it was going to be another rough game, but yeah, before that game, he'd had like three good passing games in a row. It was just the fumbles that were killing him. So if we can get back to that, maybe the passing game is okay. But like you mentioned, I mean, Paulson Adebo uh, having a great season. Fi- finally, really, has, has come on. I, it's been kind of a slow burn for him in the NFL. Um, you know, now that Marshawn Lattimore's not there, maybe you get some plus matchups on the other side. But, yeah, uh, it's tough. Uh, and it's not going to be easy to pass the ball, so you're going to have to run. And I hope I hope the run game can show up for once. That That's sort of where we are we need it we need it bad this week yeah it would be very nice um again for multiple reasons right obviously we have a young quarterback a run game is going to be a young quarterback's best friend that is alongside a uh a good tight end huh, i wonder where we could find one of those <laughs> but at the same time again it's just more so of the falcons just need one of those games where they really impose their will on somebody and of course the fact that the somebody this week is the new orleans saints um and of course that being said, too, continue what you do on the ground defensively, at least when it doesn't come to scrambling quarterbacks, right? Like, I know you even you talked about this earlier. Uh, the Falcons might actually want, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Derek Carr playing in this game because he's the obviously the less of the two mobile options, the other being, um, you know, potentially Taysom Hill. Um, but and even look, even if you put Jameis back out there, right? Like, Jameis is a little bit yeah. more mobile than than what Derek Carr is in terms of he might not extend plays to run, but. I mean, I still do remember that was like a third and 20-something he got against Atlanta years ago when he was still in Tampa Bay. But, um, yeah, yeah, in terms of ex- extending plays. So that might be the more favorable matchup uh, for the Falcons. Again, that'll be the least athletic quarterback they've played in quite some time. <laughs> um, I would hope yeah. that, again, contain assignments would, would have been a coaching point of emphasis over the bye week, just, again, to get back to the basics of that. Um, but, hey, you know, like you said, Backup tackle then for the Saints. You might have some chances to to get someone down again, but you got to take advantage of it once you get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I think that they they would prefer to face Derek Carr for sure. Uh, now we're definitely going to see some Taysom Hill. Oh, know, absolutely. BS. Like we're definitely going to see some of that because the Saints are always they're going to continue doing never, that. Yeah, it never fails in especially when they play us in the bends. It never yeah. fails to see some Taysom Hill BS. Oh yeah, we're gonna see that. So uh, that's going to happen for sure. But other than that, I, I think they'll have a much better game containing Derek Carr than they would anybody else. Um, and and Derek Carr hasn't exactly been good either. So no. uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> I think they've just it's it's weird, you know, because this this makes a lot of sense. But the Falcons' defense, when they've been able to prepare, like to actually scout the opposing quarterback, because that quarterback's played like an actual game for that team, they've played them really well. But when they've had to go up against quarterbacks with no film uh, this season, like 
I don't know, the three in a row they just played uh, going into this. Will Levis, Josh Dobbs in, in Minnesota, and then Kyler Murray in his first game back. They didn't look so good playing against those quarterbacks where they had no film. And I wonder if it's just Nielsen's a great, you know, film guy. Like, he's really good at breaking down the film, finding those those weaknesses, and, and preparing the defense. But when you have no film to prepare, you just kind of have to guess. And, and maybe they've just guessed wrong. I mean, I don't know. But it, it's really tough. So... Yeah, I mean the the only thing I would say to that is there there's no film that you need to know that for the most part a mobile right-handed quarterback yeah. is going to try to escape up and out the pocket to the right. Yeah. And yeah. that cuz you look again at the <laughs> biggest plays that Josh Dobbs made, it was running. It wasn't that he was yeah. just dicing them up. It no. was you let him escape out because you didn't do a good job of containing. Same mm-hmm. thing with Kyler Murray, right? The big the big run that set up the the game-winning field goal for them. Again, you got the blitz, you, everyone gets home. You're there. Arnold, get upfield more. Upfield shoulder, like we say it all the time. You have to rush the upfield shoulder. You don't. Kyler spins back around and gets the first down. Yep. So, like, I don't – just knowing, like, even if I had never watched Kyler Murray or Josh Dobbs play in my life, if they look <laughs> yeah. if, like an athletic, mobile quarterback who's right-handed, my best bet is they're going to want to extend a play and run out to the right side. Shocker, that's what happened. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. No, no amount of film is going to be able to fix just having a guy in your hands and then not finishing the sack. That's, that's not a film uh, preparation issue. So it's the uh, worst feeling. Let me tell you. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you're well aware, but speaking of your, your history, I know we had a question from Jason Gates saying happy Thanksgiving, yep. happy Thanksgiving to you guys as well. Um, he says, Jordan, while at Stanford, did you ever have to go against Christian McCaffrey in an Oklahoma drill? You don't touch Christian McCaffrey in practice. <laughs> you never touch them. <laughs> you don't. You don't touch him. Uh-uh, yeah. That, that that's uh that that can get you in trouble. Yeah, I figured. And then I, he said, I might have asked you before, but what was it like going against uh, Washington State head coach Mike Leach's offense when when you were there? Man, Just be ready to pass rush almost every single play. <laughs> <laughs> that's yep. what it was. I remember when we played them. There was literally only one formation where they actually had a, a run-heavy tendency. They would have, like, the uh, split-back backfield. And it's like, all right, now we know what's a run. I can get ready to play the run on this play. Outside of that, <laughs> it was just about getting upfield. And their pass sets were so much different than everybody else's. Like, it was hard to get to their line because it was almost like they're backpedaling, right, instead of, like, you're actually, you know, getting your uh, your kick steps and whatnot. So, no, it was, it was frustrating going against some of those Washington State teams. Yeah, definitely one of the more – fun offenses to watch uh but yeah i could see how it would be one of the least fun to play against because it's just like usually you like to pin your ears back and, and pass rush but that it's like almost like too much of a good thing it's like oh man there's i just gotta keep doing this i gotta i gotta run so far <laughs> i know this yeah. like i said it was it was just it was just annoying and i think one thing that'll be cool you know you talk about uh oklahoma well we'll be watching um one of the guys that I, I did a lot of Oklahoma drill against in my in my uh, time at Stanford, that's Andrews Pete. So it'll be cool to, to be in the house and watch him play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe he's probably going to be the starting left tackle. I know that's what he played last week. Yeah. It seems like James Hurst is going to be out along maybe with Ryan Ramchick. We'll see. So, yeah, he, he may be drawing the start there. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, Jordan, I, I, think, I think we covered it. I think we, we got – Got to all the main points. I, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add on this one before we we sign off tonight. Uh, I mean, it goes without being said. I hate the Saints, so yep. let's get a win. There's gonna FTS, be a lot of Saints yep. fans, as we know, uh, <laughs> in in the bends, and so nothing will make me happier happier uh, to to send them out with a loss. You know, obviously, 
you know, I think like it's the 50th hip hop anniversary celebration that they're doing. So Jeezy's going to be there. How cool would it be to hear Jeezy sing? Uh, they say who that we that as you beat <laughs> the saints in the bins. I need it. But mo- most importantly, y'all, uh, you know, holiday season. If you get a chance to be with your families, please enjoy that time. I know it's special. Um, I'm happy I get to be home with, with my family for Thanksgiving. So, uh, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there that observe and get a chance to spend time with your family, with some good food and uh, good football, too. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for for spending your Thanksgiving Eve with us here on the Falcoholic Live. Appreciate everyone for hanging out. Uh, please do like and subscribe. As always, leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. We'll have a Falcons versus Saints game preview coming for you guys on Friday. Get early access to that on Thursday, by the way, if you sign up for the new channel membership. Uh, and yeah, we'll of course be be here for the Falcons versus Saints post game, which I just I really need a dub. Okay, like I'm tired of these like losing post games. You get too many of them in a row, it starts to get old, right? I mean, there's there's good they're good for like some outrage now and then, but there's too much outrage. I need I need some positivity back to 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 pull me back in. So I can have my hopes crushed again, I'm sure. But at least, you know, we got to have, you got to have hope before you can have it crushed. So at least get, get us some hope back this week, Falcons. Uh, but again, appreciate Jordan for making the time. Uh, he's at Big 75 fella. Also host of the Falcons Fade podcast. Make sure to check that out as well. And yeah, guys, uh, today's show, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. We will see you soon. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. And I guess Black Friday football is a thing now. So that too. Uh, keep your mm. keep your eyes on falcoholic.com for that written content as well. I know we got lots of good stuff coming for you guys as we get geared up for the big game. And we'll, of course, be back with more content for you as the week rolls on and gets into the game itself on Sunday. So until then, folks, thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holiday. Until then, we'll see you guys. Have a great night.